All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. morning everybody welcome to a friday another edition of dropping the gloves thanks for joining us really appreciate the support we missed you on wednesday tim where were you i was here i was waiting i showed up and i'm like where's john you're right i was not here i you know i went and helped my friend on tuesday and then i do an adoration hour wednesday morning and then i i came back from that and boy i was just you know the old tummy wasn't feeling good and I just, when I get sick, this is my, my MO where I just get sick and I need 24 hours and I wrap myself up like a cocoon in my bed and I just sweat it out. I gut it out and then I'm 24 hours and I'm done. That's what happened again. So it was a 24 hour thing where I just like did what I needed to do. And I felt better yesterday and we're back today. So, you know, what are you going to do? And good thing is nothing was going on Wednesday. So we, we kind of, it was a win-win. All right. Two questions. The first question is, do you, are you asleep that whole time? Do you just lay there? Do you, are you reading or watching something? How do you pass that 24 hours? Well, I don't have a TV in my house. It's a lifestyle choice. So I can't watch anything. Um, I don't read very often. Uh, so I wasn't reading. So I just lay there and I sleep and I'll wake up and I'll just toss and turn and I'll sleep. So I, I think at the 24 hours, I sleep for like 16 of them. And it's just like a good, just, I let my body recharge. I recharge the batteries. Maybe I pushed it too far. Cause yeah, I was, went out to my Northport house that morning on Tuesday and I was like fixing lights, doing yard work, like doing stuff. We had like three days before we're just booked up for the whole summer, like just wall to wall renters. And so my wife's like, or our cleaners, like you need to get out there and do some things. And so I did that. And then I went right to my buddies and he's redoing his house. And I was ripping siding off, doing trim, like putting, putting wrap up before he puts new siding on just stuff like that. And I was just, I think worn down. So yeah, to answer your question, I probably slept 16 to 18 hours in that 24 hour period. Just it was a little worn out. It was a little worn down and I'm back at it. Good, good thing. Because we're going camping tonight. We're going out and my wife, that new tent I talked to you about, we're going to set that up. And we're going to go for the Friday night, Saturday night, come back Sunday. So, you know, I can't, I can't be going out there sick, Tim. I had to be prepared for what's, what's about to happen. So yeah, there's that second, 
Second question, do, do the girls leave you alone when they know you need it? Yes, very sweet. Yeah. So they left me alone. I'm upstairs. They they bring me water. I, I had them bring me some Tylenol because I get a splitting headache. You know, I, I get a headache. And they're good. They leave me alone. They go to school. They come home. They go outside. It is what it is. They know dad just needs. I need 24. That's what I need. And then they leave me alone. And I'm back at them the next morning. So I woke up Thursday morning feeling good. Feeling much better today. Not as good as the Edmonton Oilers are feeling, Tim. Since we've been gone, the avalanche put the Oilers out of their misery. They just completed the sweep. The sweep we all knew was going to happen. It got a little shaky near the end of the game. The Oilers made it the game. Avalanche, much like they've done in the whole series, they kept coming back. The Oilers get the lead 3-1. They get the lead 4-2. The Avalanche keep coming back. Your prediction, your points bet came true. You said the Avs are going to win with the Kale McCarr goal. My prediction came true. The Avs are going to win. Evander Kane's not going to get any points. We were both winners. We were prophetic in a way. Let's wrap up this series in a nutshell, Tim. Was it a good series? Did we get everything we expected from the Edmonton Oilers? Were the Colorado Avalanche as advertised? What do you think of this whole Western Conference final as a whole? Let's wrap it up. I mean... (laughs) good series how good can it be with a sweep you know i i think the the oilers knew they were playing with house money at this point and they've surprised a lot of people me included i would have thought they could pull off a, a win maybe two uh in this series especially with mcdavid and dry doing their thing but they weren't able to do it the the avalanche were just just stifling with their offense with their defense the goal would play well enough friend friend Sos. Uh, and so, yeah, I, it's a little disappointing as a hockey fan. You want to see McKinnon and McDavid go the distance together. Uh, probably a big factor of the reason that it didn't is dry side was clearly hurt. He was revealed after he has a high ankle sprain and the avalanche knew it. They were going after it. You saw some clips of McDavid and other guy, or sorry, McKinnon and other guys just hacking at him and, and Landis Gog trying to tangle him up and, um, it certainly wasn't the same dry settle we saw in the first two series where he put up like 32 points in 15 games or something. So a little disappointing, um, but it shows that the Avs are legit I, in my mind, and they're they're probably the team to beat regardless of who comes out of the East. I agree. And in the Western Conference, I think we all knew from the start of the season it was the Avalanches to lose. The only issue with the Avalanche was – can they get past their playoff insecurities? Can they get past the demons of years past where they've lost in the first round, where they just couldn't get over that hump, where they couldn't produce? I think they've answered all those questions, I think. Because when you look at their path here, I think the only test they've gotten were the St. Louis Blues. Nashville Predators, rightfully so, couldn't hang with them. Edmonton Oilers, so many question marks surrounding that team. So many, so many question marks. Avalanche glided right through them. Their only hiccup were the St. Louis Blues. And is that enough in your mind to give them the favorite status going into the Stanley Cup Finals, whether they play Tampa Bay or the New York Rangers? Because I don't know. To me, it's like looking at the whole Western Conference as a whole, there wasn't many good teams. And we said, I said this through the whole season. The Pacific was trash. And I think... That has come to fruition. I, I don't think any of the teams from the Pacific produced in this playoffs. When you when you look at the whole Western Conference as a whole, the three teams that were maybe the hardest outs were the Wild, the Blues, and the Avalanche. 
those were the three teams that were maybe the best three teams in this Western Conference because the Flames, the Oilers, the Kings, those teams were garbage. And we saw it in the playoffs. I'm just, I'm just going to leave that there. But uh, did the Avalanche do enough for you in your eyes to make them the favorites going into the finals? No matter who they play. The fact that you picked the Calgary Flames to win the cup this year. We've already addressed that. They really disappointed (laughs) me. They really did. Maybe Uh, it was just a factor of them playing weak teams in the Western Conference. They did not play like the team that they did in the regular season, even in their first round matchup versus the Dallas Stars, where they pushed them to seven games. There was red flags all over that matchup. They should have walked right through the Dallas Stars. They were better at every facet. They had a better goaltender, better defense, better offense, and they still made that into a series because they couldn't finish games out. Then they parlay that into the Edmonton Oilers, and it was a completely different team. And so I don't know. I was drinking the Calgary Flames Kool-Aid, man. I was all in. I thought they made the right moves at the deadline. I thought they made the right moves before the deadline, getting Tyler Toffoli. I loved everything they did, and they could not translate that into wins for whatever reason. So, yeah, I, I will – Take that one. I'll take that one on the chin. I was wrong with the Flames, but I don't think I was wrong with the Pacific Division as a whole. I think the Oilers were garbage. I think the Kings were garbage. I think the Flames, I was blindfolded. They get wrapped up into that Pacific Division too because they were not good. Not good at all. Going back to my question, do the Avalanche do enough? Did they do enough in their three rounds in the Pacific, in in the Western Conference? They beat the Predators. They beat the Blues. They beat the Oilers. Did they do enough, Tim, in your eyes to make them prohibitive favorites going into the finals? Uh, probably not, but that doesn't make that doesn't change my mind. Like you said, it, it, it didn't get tested the same way that the Rangers and Lightning have been tested in, in pretty much every round. Um, I don't forget off the top of my head how many games uh, the Penguins went, but Carolina goes seven with Boston, and then New York goes seven with them. Um, Tampa Bay. Yeah, they they beat they beat Florida, but that was a better team than I think m- most of the teams that the Avs have played. So they've been tested for sure, and the Avalanche haven't. But they're so good that I don't really think that it matters. I mean, the the offense is there; they're the best defenseman in the world in my eyes. They have a good goalie who's who's playing pretty well. I think I think it, it's not going to matter that they haven't been tested or they haven't been you know uh, I don't know pushed to the same way the teams in the East have. I, I just don't think it's going to matter. Yeah, the Rangers' first two series have gone to seven. Played the, played the Penguins to seven, played the Hurricanes to seven. Tampa Bay got a gift playing the Florida Panthers and just swept them out the barn. And now the Rangers again are looking at a game six, but we'll, we'll come back to that in a second. Let's stick with the Colorado Avalanche and the Edmonton Oilers. So they finished a sweep. What were the keys to their victory in this series? Which players stood out to you? Because Caudry got injured in game three. He was out pretty, pretty early. They managed to overcome that adversity. They, relatively they kept their big stars under wraps Edmonton you know McKinnon had some flashes here and there he didn't overwhelm them with his skill it was only four games so he can't put up a ton of points which players to you stood out in the Western Conference Finals for Colorado uh there were a couple uh first JT Comper he had a couple of games or he had uh I think he had three or four goals in the series there was one game where he had two goals Nichushkin similar there's a game where he had two goals and you saw that depth scoring really coming up clutch and big for the Avalanche uh, but above all that, it had – well, actually, I will give Francois some credit as well. It's tough coming in, being a backup, not being the starter and playing some good teams. He looked really good, um, except for that last game, but still got the win. And then – but McCarr, Kale McCarr, 
Uh, we, you said before the series that it would be he's going to have their the Oilers would have their hands full dealing with him. He's like another forward out there. He's better than most of those forwards. I think in, in the four games he had nine points and he had in game four, he had one goal and five assists. Um, he's the first defenseman with five points in a series clinching game in playoff history in playoff history. And the youngest defenseman with five points in a playoff game of all time at just 23 years and 219 days. So what he's doing is special. It's the stat sheet. It's the eye test. He's just unlike any other player in the league. And actually during the TNT broadcast, someone asked Wayne Gretzky, if there's any defenseman you can compare Makar to, and I'm sure people know, he said Bobby Orr, which is just high praise from, from the great one. So uh, Makar in the depth and the scoring, I think you didn't see a ton from those those Landeskog McKinnons of the world, but you didn't need it against against the Oilers, so it's okay. Yeah, put this in perspective. Out of all the defense in the playoffs, he's second in points right now behind Adam Fox. They're the two premier defensemen, right? We mentioned it off. Look at games played like, though. I was at- going to get to that. Thank you for dumping on my point. Um, <laughs> I appreciate that, Tim. Uh, <laughs> I was talking to Tim before we came on the show. I was like, I would love to do a comparison between these two defensemen because since they've come into the league, they've totally taken it by storm. And they've, they've just been on a tear. Kale McCarr coming out of UMass, I believe it is. He's just, ever since he stepped on the ice, he's just been lights out. Same with Adam Fox coming from the NCAA, going to the Rangers. He's been lights out. Tim dumped on my point, but Kale McCarr is one point behind Fox. He's played five less, less games. He's plus 11. Adam Fox is only plus one. They stay out of the box, these two guys. They average over 26, 27 minutes a game. They do it all. They are the new, they're the definition of the do it all defense for that. We didn't think existed. I'll say 10 years ago, you either fit into two categories as, as a defenseman. You were a stay at home, shutdown defenseman, or conversely, you were a puck rushing, you know, jump in the rush defenseman who was a liability in your own zone. That, that was the two options. Eric Carlson would jump in the rush. He would fly up and down the ice. The Brent Burns would fly up and down the ice. They were so bad in their own zone. And then you look on the other side of the point, even on those two teams, you would have a Mark Mathot or a Mark Edward Vlasic, a stay-at-home puck or just a protection-type defenseman, a guy who was a safety blanket for those offensive-minded defensemen. These two guys have shattered the mold. They, they do everything. Maybe they're not a shutdown, lockdown defenseman, but they're not giving up big plays. They're not a, an eyesore in the defensive zone where they don't know where to go. Fox is a good defensive defenseman. McCarr is a good defensive defenseman. They're okay. You know what I mean? They're, they're not a liability. You see them out there in the last two minutes of the game when they're down a goal or they're up a goal. They're playing the hard minutes no matter what the situation. So I think these two guys have shattered the mold. I know Victor Hedman, you know, he somewhat fits into that mold. He's six seven. He's not as fleet-footed as these two defensemen. They're like, they're fun to watch. They really are. How about Yossi? I would throw him in that mix, right? I would throw him definitely in that mix, but I don't think he has the offensive upside as these two guys. When I watch the Rangers, when I watch the Avalanche, he had 96 got, points this year. I know he got a million points this year. But maybe I don't watch the Nashville Predators as often. When I watch these two guys, every single offensive play comes from these two guys. Like whether it's Panarin on the rush, you go, oh, Panarin's making a play. Oh, he's got Fox clearing the way for him because Fox is the is a center lane drive. When I see Landeskog or McKinnon, it's either an outlet pass or McCarr's right behind him. These two guys are involved in every facet of the game. Whether it's the power play, whether it's five on five, whether it's a penalty kill, they seem to be involved in every offensive chance that these two teams get. Maybe I haven't watched enough Nashville Predators. I think Yoshi should win Norris this year. I think he's had an incredible year. But gosh, these two guys are good, Tim. 
They really are. And yeah, I, I guess I would throw Yossi in their mix, but I just think these two guys are better offensively than Yossi is. And that's just my take. I think they have better hands. I think they have a better grasp on the game, their, their intuition, their, their ability to find the open space. Fox, Fox is incredible. He really is. He's, he's a fun guy to watch, but let's just stay on this series. Recap the Oilers. We're talking about points. We're talking about standings. McCarr, we're talking about Fox, one, two, and points for defensemen. McDavid and Dreinsidel, one and two. What do they got? 33, 32 points, respectively. Dreinsidel finishes in front of McDavid in 16 games. They could potentially finish one and two overall points, four forwards, and they're still out of the playoffs in the third round. Where do, where do, you, where do they go from here, Tim? You know, th- I think this is, in my mind, the best possible scenario for the Oilers this year. They went as far as they could. They got another stellar season from Mike Smith, so to speak, as a 41-year-old goaltender. That's the most you'd expect from him. They had a great season from McDavid, great season from Matarian Seidel. I think their supplementary cast played well this offseason, or this uh, this postseason, excuse me, and they still didn't make it to the Stanley Cup Finals. They still got swept out of the third round. They barely squeaked by in the first round. They got a gift in the second round with the Calgary Flames just not showing up. Is what's next for the Oilers? Do they just throw the, maybe we shouldn't go down this road because it's just a whole podcast, but it's just, I find myself thinking, well, what do they do now? This was a good season for them. How do we go further? They're going to have so many guys who are UFAs. Yamamoto and Poviari are RFAs. They're going to want, anyways, I don't want to get into that, but recap the Oilers for us, Tim, in a nutshell, put a bow on it. Oilers. Well, in my mind, like that's probably what what just happened over the last six weeks is probably the best you can expect from this Oilers roster. It's like everything went right, and this is this is the best possible outcome given all the factors of the depth, the defense, the goaltending, all that. Um, and even with all the success of, of winning two playoff rounds, they finished eight and eight in the playoffs. That's not that's not very good. And they were first in goals for yeah, but they were also first in goals against. And so that's kind of exactly like. If you were to predict the, the Oilers going on a, on a run like they did, those stats are like, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, they let up the most goals, they scored the most goals, they finished about 500. Like, that's that, that's the Oilers team, I think. Um, it doesn't feel like, even though it's just, they did take a big next step compared to what they've done in the past, it doesn't feel like a step in the right direction for the franchise as a whole. It doesn't feel like the Oilers have arrived yet. I mean, does it feel like that to you? I agree. I, I think this is their ceiling. This this is as high as they go. I, I don't without think without making changes. Yeah. No, even with making changes, I don't feel like they can make drastic enough of changes to impact this team to to give them a further run in the playoffs. I think this is it. I don't know what you can do with this roster. I don't know what you can do when you have they have a little bit of cap space. I'll give them that. They got about seven eight million. But when you look at the roster, uh, it's not good. You know what I mean? They're going to have a massive turnover this year. They're losing a lot of players. They have a lot of guys who are RFAs. They have a lot of contracts that are just bad. When you look at the Darnell Nurse contract, when you, you have Duncan Keith tied up for another year, it, they're not in a good position to make drastic changes. They have $7 million bucks, and they have to sign a bunch of guys to contracts. So I don't know how they can change this team. They got Mike Smith wrapped up for another year, but gosh, if I'm their GM, I, I'm scratching my head. I know I'm, go- I'm going to lose one of the Poviari Yamamoto. That's out the door. Those guys are going to want five or six million dollars each. So if I'm looking to trade somebody, you're going to get more value for a Yamamoto. I think he's he's more electric. Teams are going to you know give more for him. But that's the guy you want to keep. 
So do you, do you get a better return for Yamamoto or do you just sign Poviari? These are the questions that need to be answered. And I think McDavid, he's this is his career. I, I think he plays out the next four years on his term with the Edmonton Oilers and he's gone. I, I don't see him resigning there. I, I don't see this team getting any better over the next four years. This was it. This was their ceiling. They made the Western Conference final. They got swept. I don't see them repeating this. The LA Kings are going to get better. The Anaheim Ducks are going to get better. I think other teams, the Vancouver Canucks, could they finally get it together and, and cobble together a full consistent season? I don't know. But there's other teams in the West who I think will get better. I don't see the Edmonton Oilers getting better next year. Maybe they get a goaltender, bring someone in to kind of shore up that position. Because if they have a better goaltender playoffs, maybe they win a game versus Colorado. I don't see them beating Colorado. So, no. I don't think even bringing in other players makes this team different. I think this is the bed. They've made it. They gave a ton of money to those top guys. When you got, look, McDavid makes 12. Dreinsettle makes eight and a half. Hyman makes five and a half. Nuge, Nuge makes 5.1. Then you got Cassie and Fogle who eat up five point something combined. That's six guys eating up $40 million of cap space, 40 million bucks. And when the cap's only 80 something and you got six guys eating up half of that, then you add in Nurse, who's another nine. You got Duncan Keith, who's five and a half. That's eight guys making up $55 million. And are those eight guys going to win you a Stanley Cup? McDavid, Dreidsidle, Hyman, Nugent, Casson, Fogel, Nurse, and Keith? I don't think so. Oh, and then there's Tyson Berry, who makes another four and a half, and CeCe, who makes 3.25. So again, those 10 guys make $60 million, $65 million bucks. So it's just not good. This The cap management is not in their favor right now. And they got a lot of RFAs, a lot of UFAs. So what do you do with Evander Kane? Do you bring him back? I don't know. He, he played pretty well with those two guys up front. All in all, I think when you look at the Edmonton Oilers and you give them a grade on this season, I thought they were going to miss the playoffs. They made a run. They got in thanks to the abhorrent play of the Pacific division. They gifted them that spot. I give them a B. You know what I mean? It, it was a good run. It was fun. They got some revenue for the playoffs. The, the, the fan base got excited. They gave Jay Woodcroft an extended stay in Edmonton. They'll probably let him stick around for a year or two as a coach. He's a good coach. He deserves it. But this is the, these are the Oilers. These are the Oilers. And just a little side note, Colorado, a masterful trade. Arturi Likonen brought in at the deadline, scored an OT winner. Right? Right, Tim? He he did, and this is the second year he did it. Last year, he scored a Game 7 OT winner in the Eastern Conference Finals for the Montreal Canadiens. So a little deja vu there. And another example of, of a great deadline pickup by the Avalanche, in, in addition to Manson and some of the other moves they made. And you're slowly becoming Avalanche insider, Tim. Um, what's what's the update on the uh, Nazim Kadri situation? Yeah, what I'm hearing is that uh, he had surgery uh, last week to repair the injured thumb sustained from that hit from Nazem Kat, or Evander Kane. Uh, he's unlikely for the remainder of that series, um, obviously, and he was probably unlikely for the rest of the postseason. Are you Not saying he's unlikely for the rest of the Western Conference Final? Are you Are you saying that <sighs> three days after the fact they've already won it? Yeah, that's how good I am. That's how uh, we are yeah, here at dropping the gloves. <laughs> He's unlikely to return in the playoffs. Uh, not officially out yet, but not looking good, which is a total bummer because he's played so well and he's been such an important part of that team. And when you look at like the the Lightning and the Rangers, he's exactly the kind of player that you'd want in that series with the the matchups and the. It's just tough, but hopefully he comes back. Oh, he would be valuable for any series, any situation with any team. The guy's a stud. Tim, have you eaten your protein today? I know you're on a protein kick. Is this why the brain's not firing fast enough? Have you gotten your protein yet today? 
Some, but not enough, John. You know what we're going to do? Fire up your DoorDash app, get yourself some protein because DoorDash can get you protein when you need it. And when you're like Tim and you treat your body like a well-oiled machine and you need protein at a certain time of the day or else you're just going to fall apart, you use DoorDash to get yourself that protein, whether it's turkey, whether it's chicken, whether it's ground beef, whether it's venison, it's hunting season. Go out and shoot yourself a nice buck, harvest the meat. I was um, I watched a video of my friend who came over for dinner with the family. And he's like one of those, not a prepper, but he does everything on his own. Like he's got a wood boiler. He doesn't, you know, he's off the grid, I would say. So he, he does his own food. He does his own heat. He does his own everything. He showed me a video. He showed my girls a video of his daughter dressing a deer in the wild. And I didn't realize when you dress a deer, I, I understood the concept where you have to gut it and you bl- bleed it out on the field. So you don't have to drag this like 200, 300 pound deer back to your wherever you start from the butthole. And you got to cut from the butthole up to the neck. And so he's showing my daughter this video of his daughter. And she is like 16 or 15 trimming this deer's butthole. I'm like, that's the grossest thing I've ever seen. Like you're in the field, lifting up the tails, deer, cutting, cutting the deer from the bum hole up to the neck. And then all the guts just come out, but you got to be precise about it because you don't want to cut any of the stuff. So the blood, it's just a very, I stopped watching after 10 seconds because I was like, this is going to get real gross real fast. Like, let's shut this video off. But you got to get yourself some venison and use that with DoorDash. So go to DoorDash, use promo code GlovesDD if you're in Canada, GlovesDDUS if you're in the US of A. I'm sure you can find a nice butcher who can set you up with some protein. You get 25% off free delivery. DoorDash does it all or just get yourself a pizza. I don't know. You can do anything you want with DoorDash. Check it out. Gloves DD if you're in Canada. Gloves DD US if you're in the US of A. Get yourself some food. Get a good deal on top of it. It's a win-win. DoorDash, Tim. DoorDash. All right. Moving on. Do you need protein? Do you want to take a break? Go get some beef jerky or something? Uh, Are you going to be okay? I'll do it after. I'll do it after. All right. Thank you. So the remaining series in the finals round, Eastern Conference finals, Tampa Bay Lightning have come storming back. New York Rangers went up to rip. Everybody was talking about how fast they were, the kid line, how slow the Tampa Bay Lightning looked. The defense was susceptible to speed. Vasilevsky looked human. He was letting in goals. He had no business letting in. Are the Tampa Bay Lightning finally showing their age after years of just hard playoff rounds, massive minutes by these guys? Well, to answer that question, no. They're not showing their age because the last three games, they have looked incredible. They have taken the play to the New York Rangers. They went back to Tampa Bay. They won two games. Bingo, bango, bongo. We're tied 2-2. Going into last night, it was a 2-2 series, best of three. What are we going to see? We're back in the Madison Square Garden. Gerard Gallant said, we're going to play angry. We're going to play mean. We're going to have an edge to our game. Look at us. Watch us go. It's going to be incredible. I was excited for this game, Tim. I was like, okay. They're going to try to run him through the boards. It's going to be fantastic. I'm going to watch this whole game. It's going to be a hit fest. It's going to be a slobber knocker. Get ready for action. Boy, was I disappointed. It was a complete dud of a game. It was so incredibly boring to watch. At the end of the first period, I think the shots were 7-3 to in favor of the New York Rangers. I know Tampa Bay had a couple posts hit by Nick Paul got one. Kucherov got one. By the way, did you see that Kucherov post? What a play by Steve Stamkos. It was like a minute and a half into the game. He gets over the red line. Kucherov's ripping down the other boards. Stamkos recognizes that, 
passes it off the end boards, perfectly placed pass. The puck comes off the dasher. Kucherov steps into it. I think it was like 92 mile an hour one timer. Tink off the post. No shot on net. But what a, I'm telling you what, that that's a good play by Stamkos. You have to admit that, Tim. As much as you hate Steven Stamkos, you have to admit that. I do. Remember uh, when the Sedins did one of those and turned into a goal? He like but it was like a full ice. Yeah. Yep. I think Henrik to Daniel, like it always was. Yeah. I love to seeing those plays come out. We had designed plays like that on teams when we had a fast guy. Like Marion Gabrick, we had designed plays for him where we'd throw it in the corner before the automatic icing, before this and that, where you have to actually race to the puck. We had designed plays. We're like, okay, go and get it. We're going to throw it in your corner. You go and get it. So it is a play teams right up. And when you see you guys taking advantage of Rick Nash, he used to do it with the Rangers all the time where they would just throw it on the ice and he'd be gone and he'd go pick it up. And yeah. So is it, it is a design play, but yes, game three or game five, excuse me, two, two, what were your expectations and were they met Tim? Was this a very entertaining game for you to watch? <laughs> no, I was watching last night. I couldn't even really, I don't even remember much about it. It was just so, it was so forgettable. And I actually, game four was kind of a similar way. We saw that fight in the second period, try to shake things up a little bit between Bertano and, uh, Gosh, I forget who we fought, but yeah, last night. Um, Eggle. Was it? Yeah. Uh, not a ton going on. Um, kind of a boring, boring <laughs> game. Like in the, at the end of the game, both teams had less than 30 shots on goal each. And I'm thinking like, I see that. I'm like, okay, it must've been like a lot of block shots. It must've been a lot of fights or, or scraps, penalties, whatever. No, not a, lot, not a lot of block shots, not a lot of hits. Both teams went over on the power play. Just, just a kind of a, a chill, relaxed game. And I'm not sure what the the reason is behind that. Is there a little bit of fatigue there? Are they are they playing a very risk averse way um, that they don't want to make the mistake that that cost their team the game? But yeah, not a great game. Yeah, I think it's the latter. I think you nailed it. I think both teams are playing tentative. They know they're both good teams. And they don't want to make that mistake that's going to cost their team the game. The Tampa Bay know how to win. They, they've been here before, and they just wait. They play the waiting game. They wait for you to make a mistake, and then they pounce. And they did it the last three games where, yes, New York jumped on the board early. They just waited out. They'll know they'll get their goals. It's going to come. And then, sure enough, boom, it's happened the last two minutes of the last two games. And they'll wait. They'll wait until overtime. The thing that's, I think, been the biggest change for me from the first two games and the last three games has been Vasilevsky. He's been lights out. In the first two games, he was shaky. He gave up nine goals in two games, which is very un-Vasilevsky-like. The last three games, he's given up four goals. He's been confident. He's been on his posts. He's been on his angles. They had one save where... It was a rebound save, Vasilevsky. He saved it. Cop had the chance to wrap it in. I think it was in the first or second period. He came sliding across, made a beautiful toe save. And it, there wasn't even like cheers about it. It was just like, oh, Vasilevsky comes across and robs Cop. I'm like, that was like the, the save of the game. If Cop scores that, the Rangers go up 2 nothing, I believe, and they take control of the game. But it was just an amazing save. And he, that was a routine save for him. He's using his length. Pucks are sticking to him. He's in position. He's not giving up the goals he did last series. He's just playing good. Not last series, the first two games, excuse me. He's, he's playing really well. This is a vast less we know in the last two playoff wins for them in the Stanley Cup. I don't know. When he's playing like this, as good as Shesterkin is, as good as the Rangers can be, the Lightning are hard to beat. They don't give up many grade-A chances. And the ones that they do, if he's there to make the save, boy, oh boy. And don't even get me started on elimination games because the guy doesn't lose when he's facing an, facing an elimination game for the other team. So that's the biggest difference for me. 
I don't think Tampa's played that much better than they did during the first two games when they lost. I just think Vasilevsky has upped his game. He's making more saves that he has to make. He is just being Vasilevsky. So I don't know what the Rangers have to do. Maybe they need to sneak in a goal. Their power play, like you said, has been over. But as an overall, I think it's been a boring series. I think it's just two teams evenly matched, going back and forth, not want to give up any mistakes. And then the Tampa Bay Lightning just being more patient and getting the bounces and, and converting the bounces when they get them. Because when you look at the goals Tampa Bay got, it's just not getting in the lane. Kreider doesn't get in the lane for one. Goudreau doesn't get in the lane for the other one. Sergachev gets the puck through and it finds a way in. They're not like skillful goals. They're not going tic-tac, tic-tac goal. It's just we're playing five on five. We're finding a way to get the puck through. And Sergachev, boy, oh boy, if I'm a Montreal Canadiens fan or if I'm a Montreal Canadiens coach or GM or anybody involved with the, the franchise, I'm looking at this guy. Two Stanley, two-time Stanley Cup winner. Just scored two goals. Well, one glanced off Palat. It was Sergachev's goal. He made the play. He made a nice little slight pump fake. Gets Kreider out of the lane and just fires it in. Gets two goals in a, in a very deciding game five versus the Rangers. I'm licking my chops. Oh, and by the way, Tim, how old is Sergachev? He's got to be 29, 30, right? He's still 23 years old. It blew my mind. It blew my mind. This is his sixth season in the NHL. He only uh, – fifth and a half. He played a couple of games at age 18, 2017 or something. But just – it's 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 crazy. He's he's 23 years old and he's already got two cups and he's been, played the heavy minutes in those teams too. It's not like some like he was a complimentary piece. Like he is a core defensive piece for this team and he's he's just so good. Yeah, and and there's no slowing down for him. He's going to take the reins from McDonough. It looks like McDonough's slowing down. He got injured in the third period. I think this was a big big point in the game where McDonough goes down in the third period and the the Lightning rely on McDonough a lot. He logs a lot of minutes. He's out there all the time with Hedman. He goes down in the beginning of the third period. He's out for a good 13 14 minutes. Sergachev takes up the reins. Ruda takes up the reins and Bogosian gets a little bit more minutes cuz the Lightning dressed seven defensemen and Bogosian did play some minutes. He played well. McDonough comes back with four minutes to go. He's back. Everything's good. But I think McDonough, it, he could be gone in the next year or two. Sergachev's going to slide into that role. He's going to fit perfectly there in the top two. He's so good. But Druin's playing well, too. You know, as, as long as his feelings are where they're supposed to be and he's, you know, on the level, he's a good player. But, boy, what a bad trade for the Montreal Canadiens. What a bad trade. All right, let's let's just touch on Palat, his his theatrics, how good he is. And then we'll move on because to game six, our well, prediction for game six. Yeah. Uh, Palat, like you said, scored the game winner last night, that tip in, even though it was mostly circuit just play that this is 15th goal in the conference final uh, of, of his career. And since 1990, only Joe Sackick has more with 16. And the next tier down is 13 goals by Jeff Carter, Claude Lemieux, Steven Stamkos, Jonathan Tays. Palat is absolutely clutch in the playoffs. I was looking at his numbers this morning and, in like 600-ish games, he's got 400-ish points in his regular season. But in the in the playoffs, he's got like 80-something in 100 or so games. He just steps it up. He's a good, good player, and he scores the big ones when they needed to. Uh, the big question I'm sure they're trying not to think about right now, but he's a UFA this summer. Um, and the Lightning, you know, we saw a bunch of guys leave after last year's championship. And after this playoff run, they're going to see a few more leave. How much money is he going to make? He's going to ask for, what, 7 or $8 million. He's making 5.3 right now. Um, he's going to want his payday. So, yeah, that, that'll be tough to see him walk if you're a Lightning fan. He's been clutch for these Lightning, this Lightning team. And people don't talk about him enough because they have Kucherov, they have Stamkos, they have Hedman. Ever since Plots gotten on the Tampa Bay Lightning. I think he entered the league in 2000, 
14 or 15, like he's made the conference finals more times than he has it in his NHL career. That's how good he's been with the Tampa Bay Lightning. So he will garner a lot. I think he's going to get seven, eight million. I don't think the Tampa Bay Lightning will be able to bring him back. Did you see uh, Truba almost knocked him right out when he was crossing the blue line? It was late, late in the third. I think it was five minutes left. Palat's entering the zone and Truba tries to absolutely bury him. And Palat ducks him. And in reaction, Truba tries to go forearm shiver a la The Rock, the people's elbow, and just misses him. Like, just misses him. If he hits his head, Palat's on a stretcher being dragged out of there because he's just unconscious. Because Truba, he, he had some ill intentions with that elbow. What did you think of that? I took a screenshot last night of that head. I was going to text you, but I didn't want to text you that late. But it was I, – I think he led with the elbow. I don't think it was a reactionary move to Palat sidestepping him. It was like leading with the elbow intent to, intent to injure. And like you said, if he connects there, Palat's on the ice on his back and there's a big scrum and, and probably a brawl. Because um, it, it would have been that type of hit if it connected. So good for, for both teams that it didn't. But, yeah, was it, was it already uh, – had the Lightning already scored that goal by that point? Or was no, it was 1-1, one, one, six minutes left. Palat's entering the zone. <laughs> John, John is smiling ear to ear watching this play. <laughs> well, because I love it. I think it's great. He doesn't connect because Palat ducks out of the way. And Truba is coming in and doing what Truba does. You're coming over the blue line into his zone. He owns that zone. That's his zone. That's Jake Truba's area. You come in my area, you're going to pay for it. And Palat's trying to enter Jake's area. And he's like, you coming in here, you're going to pay the price, baby. And he is trying to kill this guy. He's coming in with ill intentions. And Palat just dodges out of the way. So who knows what Jacob True was trying to do. He's trying to finish his check like he always does. He's going north. Palat's coming south. It's two trains coming at each other. I wish he would have connected. It would have been so great. But yes, he does have his arm tucked. I watched it. But as soon as Palat makes that move, Truba extends it like a linebacker, and he's trying to connect him in his shoulder. Palat ducks. He would have he nailed him in the head. He would have gotten 10 games. It would have been lights out. But that's what you got to do, man. That's, that's what you have to do. It's a, it's a good play. He forced him offside. It was a whistle offside. Steady as she goes. Nothing to see here. Not even a penalty. Let's move along. It does keep that little thing in the back of the lightning's head. Like, oh, boy, he would have killed him if he would have hit him. That guy's insane. He's a, he's a certifiable, like, psychopath if he's coming at Palat full speed with his elbow out like that. I liked it. I liked it a lot. He didn't connect. But, boy, it does send a message. <laughs> he was flying. Well, I was going to say, it's, like, it's a great example of Palat, like, being aware of who's on the ice. He knew Truba was out there, and he was ready for that. Like, he was... It maybe a little bit of a, I don't just know, like fight or flight there. Yeah. Like he, um, six but inches. But, but if that exact play happened in the first round, Palat wouldn't have, he would have got drilled because he wouldn't have had the awareness. Truba's got that thing where guys are looking over their shoulders a little bit. So uh, you can see that kind of playing out over the course of the, 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 play, the playoffs. I there. love it. I absolutely love it. And going back to Palat, a, a pretty neat stat. He has 11 game-winning goals since 2016 in the playoffs. That's the most of any active player. That's pretty impressive considering all the players, Amazing. all the playoff rounds, all the star players on Tampa Bay. He has 11 game-winning goals. I think five of them against the Bruins. Yeah, well, the Bruins suck. And we'll get, we'll get to the Bruins <laughs> in another show. First reaction, Ugh. though, Bruce Cassidy getting let go. Good move or bad move by the Boston Bruins? Horrible, horrible move. Horrible. Yeah. Why, why would they do that? Is that Don Sweeney just trying to save his seat? 
Yeah, it's Sweeney and Neely trying to save their seat, uh, Cassidy being scapegoated. There's also rumors. It's been, you know, everyone has spoken out saying it's not true, but that Cassidy lost the, the, the veterans in the room. The Bergerons of the world. There's this. There's some more of the stuff that I can that I've heard that we can get into on another show. But tough move. I don't know what you're going to bring in. It's going to be better than him, and he's going to go in and, and coach like a, a team that's going to do really well. And that was a great coach. I think he's the winningest coach over the last six years or something. Something. I think like he's that, second. So. Yeah, he he definitely yeah. has some pedigree there. He's got a lot of good. He's he's a good coach. He's a good coach. There's nothing, you can't say anything about that. The guy's a good coach. He's, he's led Boston through some tough times. They've always had a lot of injuries. They've lost a lot of good players. And they've been a good team consistently for the last 10 years since he's been their coach. So I don't know what they're doing there. It's, it's a bad move. All of a sudden, Pasternak could potentially be on the market. All of a sudden, Bergeron maybe doesn't want to come back. All of a sudden, Marshawn, his future is a little wishy-washy. But you're going to build your team around a Charlie Coyle, like we mentioned before the show. He's locked in for five more years. He is the cornerstone of your franchise. I'm looking. We're trending upwards in Boston. All right. Let's, let's do a little points bet here, Tim. We got game six tomorrow night. Rangers Lightning in Tampa Bay. Do the Tampa Bay Lightning close this out? And we got a Stanley Cup Finals to look forward to on a Monday or Tuesday, or are we looking at a Monday Game Seven potentially? Or it would be Tuesday, the Game Seven would be. What What are we thinking here, Tim? Tomorrow night, or excuse me, Saturday night, Rangers Lightning. Who do we got? Man, I I really wanted the Rangers to win last night. I couldn't believe the Lightning pulled that off on the road with less than two minutes left, and I have a hard time believing the Rangers are going to be able to pull that off um, in Tampa Bay tomorrow night but that all said i want to see a game seven so i'm going to pick the rangers to win i want to see uh zabana jab with a goal oh i love the goal picks i think it's i think it's very smart can you bet on that on points bet who scores a goal oh yeah yep make a little a little parlay points bet is unbelievable if you're not already betting with them you should bet with them they're fantastic there's no promo code or anything just go to points bet fire it up and this is the pick you're going to have to do i think tampa bay is going to Close it out, Tim. So you know what you do? You put $10 on Tampa Bay and $10 on the New York Rangers. You're bound to win one of them. You're going to come away feeling good. I don't know what the odds are. Maybe you're going to lose more, win more, not win as much, not lose as much. Bet on both. What's the worst that can happen? You lose $10? Who cares? Just $10. $10 will buy you a pack of gum these days with inflation. Get out there. Jump on points bet. Make yourself a bet. I'm taking Tampa Bay, Tim. I, I don't think... You could bet against Vasilevsky in an elimination game. You can lock him in for at least one goal against. That's the most. We saw versus Toronto. We saw it versus Florida. The guy is lights out. When you give him an opportunity, he just, and there's a little stat. The last two playoff runs for the Tampa Bay Lightning, they've had four instances where there's been a 2-2 or a 3-2 series. In all those instances, they've won their games. So going back to 2020, they beat the Islanders, I believe, 4-2, to two, and they beat another team 4-2. to two. Last year in 2021, the same situation. They went up 3-2 to two twice. They won both of those games. This is the first time they've had it this season where they've been up 3-2. to two. I think they're going to close it out again. I like their chances. I like, I like what they've been doing. They're going to win four in a row. They're going to walk into the Stanley Cup Finals. And then finally, maybe we could get a decent series since the first round. Because like I said before, a month ago, when the Tampa Bay Lightning dispatched the Toronto Maple Leafs, I said, this is the best series you'll see this postseason. And so far, has, has anything happened to dissuade you with that? We've had Avalanche Blues, 
Flames, Edmonton Oilers in the second round. Both of those were stinkers. We've had the Panthers and the Lightning, and we had the Hurricanes and the Rangers. Maybe the Hurricanes and the Rangers were were okay, but it wasn't exciting like the Leafs and the Lightning were. This round, we've had Tampa Bay, the Rangers, Colorado, the Oilers, Colorado at Edmonton, garbage. And so far, Tampa Bay, the Rangers, yes, it's been fun to watch, but it hasn't been as exciting as Tampa Bay, Toronto. That series had everything. Mood swings, momentum shifts, six, seven goals a game, a shutout here and there. There was just dramatic stuff going on everywhere. Overtime, it was just a fantastic series all around. It was great. The, the hopes and the dreams of the Toronto Maple Leafs going up three to two, just being dashed by Tampa Bay coming back and winning in seven. Will we see that again? I don't know. I hope we do in the Stanley Cup Finals because nothing has delivered to that series of yet, but I'm not losing hope, Tim. I think a Tampa Bay Colorado final would be incredible. It would be fun to watch. We'll see if it happens on Saturday. I firmly believe the Tampa Bay Lightning will win that game. Tim thinks the Rangers will win that game. That's the beautiful thing about hockey. They got to drop the puck. No one knows what's going to happen. Anything else, Tim? Uh, no, I, other than pick a goal, pick a goal being scored too. Make it interesting. Um, I think that Palat will score the game winner. Okay. I don't know. I don't care about that stuff. I don't know. Do you? Cool. Cool stuff. Cool beans. All right, everybody. We we've been we've been ending our shows on a, a very junky note lately. I listened to the uh last episode where we talked about I don't know what we talked about at the end of the show, but it was very downtrodden. We gotta work on the ending of our shows because I, how about a how about a quick joke? You wanna hear a joke? I would love to hear a joke. What happens when you listen to uh, a country song backwards? What? You hear about a guy getting his truck back, getting his girl back, getting his dog back, getting his farm back, being a little kid again. I like that. That's a good joke, Tim. Very good. I thank you. I think we should end our, our days on jokes now. That's good. All right, everybody. Well, do good. Have a good weekend. Go out there. Have some fun. Watch game six of the Rangers Tampa Bay. We'll talk to everybody on a Monday. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.